The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 28. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly, with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The Gospel of the Lord. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Words I never, never get sick of proclaiming or hearing returned as well. I had a wise teacher back in pastor school in seminary who used to say there are two basic emotions out of which all other emotions come. Fear and joy. And in some sense, they're really kind of polar opposites from one another. Anger, jealousy, envy, guilt, frustration, even actions, abuses of power, etc. They all emanate from fear. Whereas love, joy, peace, compassion, forgiveness, reconciliation, all of those emanate from a deep sense of joy. Now since that class, I've often asked myself in lots of different situations, am I acting out of fear or am I acting out of joy? Maybe you can think back to this past week or this past month or even this past year and think, what is, going to, kind of as the psalmist said, what's the cornerstone of my actions? Is it fear or is it joy? And I wonder what our answer would be. Probably a mix of both, perhaps, most likely. Well, we heard on Monday, Thursday, how the disciples reacted under pressure. As Jesus is arrested, one of his disciples draws a sword and cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest. And Jesus says, no, stop, put the sword away, and actually even heals the ear of the servant. And in the midst of that arrest, all the disciples at one point or another scatter. They run away. They're gone. Except for some of the women who go all the way to the cross with Jesus and from a distance witness this terrible persecution. Maybe there's fear as well in men's kind of historic power play over women. Not God's creative intention, by the way. 
Maybe that stems from fear that we know women are actually stronger than us. We didn't have many, like, sort of deal-breaker, in fact, we don't really have any deal-breaker agreements, my wife and I, before we got married. But I will say that I probably implied to her, you know, you take care of the hard stuff. (laughs) Maybe a little. When the kids want to play, I am there. When they have the stomach flu, why don't you just take that? (laughs) Right? (laughs) And here the women are again, meeting us at the tomb where Jesus' body has been laid. Are they afraid? Are they just deeply sad? Are they expecting something? Whatever the case, it seems that they were trying to grasp at the meaning of all of this. The same questions we might ask when we're encountered by death, or maybe that we have asked, especially at the death of a loved one. All these meaning, these questions of meaning and questions of existence. Well, as they're sitting there and they're contemplating and they're they're, they're kept at a distance from the tomb because of the guards. It's heavily guarded. Suddenly an angel descends from heaven and it's like Thor coming down in a Marvel movie with a hammer. You know, there's thunder and there's, uh, and there's an earthquake. The earth shakes. Which is important here that the guards uh, are, are struck by so much fear that they faint away. Which allows then the women, at least as they are feeling able to, to kind of approach the tomb, and to hear from the angel. I don't know why they don't faint away. Maybe when you understand the story and the meaning of the one who has been put to death, as we too have explored through this Lenten season, as we do in in that season of journeying with Jesus through his ministry here on earth, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for the world? Maybe then we can stand with our knees shaking that fear having just a glimmer of hope. But the angel does what all angels do. The angel says to them, do not be afraid. That's what angels always say, for good reason. And this is followed by a message beyond their expectations. Jesus is alive. He's not in that grave anymore. He's come out. The world has said no to its Savior. And out of fear, of course, But God has said yes out of joy and raised Jesus, the firstborn of the new creation we all share in. And it's not a symbolic resurrection. It's not just a spiritual resurrection. It's not just Jesus now lives in our hearts kind of resurrection. He's actually physically present in what I always say is what I think is the most unique part of our faith, that God actually comes in the flesh to us, and not just to us, but then to die and to be raised again to give us life, to give us that gift of joy. Jesus is actually able to travel the road to Galilee. He's going to meet the disciples in a physical place, and he meets these women as well. And let me note, by the way, these women are given a message. They're given a a mission, and in Jesus' day, Women were not seen as reliable witnesses. Again, even though my wife can watch a show, talk to our kids meaningfully, and correct homework all at the same time, somehow the testimony of women in Jesus' day didn't mean that much. I mean, not to limit myself, I have skills too. I am also able to watch a show 
ignore my children completely and procrastinate all of my work at the same time. I know, you're impressed, I can see. But the message we hear today is put into the hands of women, unlikely witnesses, who are then sent to tell the other women and men who follow Jesus. They are to bear the good news. He's alive, and he's going ahead of us. But then something else happens. The women leave the tomb quickly with what? With fear and great joy. In fact, it's great fear and great joy. Now, there's a kind of fear in the Bible that we hear about, the fear of the Lord. We'll hear about it at a baptism at the 11 o'clock service, that we are to fear the Lord. But what that word means is not so much being afraid of God or hiding away from God, but it's a sense of having awe and respect and reverence for God. In our confirmation class years ago, we even made up a word for it, awe spectrance. That's really what the fear of the Lord means. But the women here are carrying a different kind of fear. The word in Greek is phobos. It's the root word for the word phobia. And that word is used here, and it's the same word that was used for the guards that had fainted away. It's kind of, it's, again, it's that word phobia. It's, it's like sitting in a tub and having spiders or snakes poured all, all over you and then have the lights turned off. Some of you may remember that show, Fear Factor. That's a real thing. They would do that. But, but so this is the kind of fear that can paralyze, that can, that can intercept that message and mission that they're carrying. But now Jesus steps in and meets them. He intercepts them from their mission. And what does he say? Now, in our English translation, it sounds a little alien. It's like, greetings, earthlings, right? Greetings? Now, what Jesus says can be a, a greeting, for sure, but really what it directly translates as, and usually is translated as, is the word rejoice. That's what Jesus says to them. In other words, have joy in you. Rejoice. Now, remember, when the women left the tomb with great fear and great joy, they, they left with kind of this emotional oil and water trying to mix together. But Jesus intercepts them, and I think it's fascinating that his interaction with them is very similar to something that happened earlier in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus sailed across some water, and he went to a foreign land, and he, a man met him there who was possessed by a legion of demons. There were all kinds of, of things that were possessing this man, and as Jesus exorcised those demons from that man, and the language is similar in that passage to what we have in this resurrection passage, oddly enough. So now he exorcises the fear from the women. He too says what the angel said. But the angel said, do not be afraid in order to reassure the women that it was okay. But Jesus seems to do it more to kind of surgically remove the fear from them. And simply leave the great joy. Have joy in you. Do not hold on to fear. That's what's in the grave. That's what you were looking at, and it, it's gone. I took it. You can't have it anymore. I put your legions of fear to death on the cross for you. And now I am raised, and you are raised to new life. I'm grateful for Jesus exercising that fear. 
And I know I'm going to have fears and I'm going to have anger and I'm going to have all the things that come from fear. Jealousy, not the, that feeling that I, I'm not good enough or not fitting in. But I can tell you that if I look back at the worst lies that I've told, they come from a fear of being wrong. A fear of being imperfect. My worst behavior that I can, that I can think back on, the regrets that I have, come oftentimes from a fear of not being good enough or a fear of being left out. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, I, I walk and work with, with young people, and especially teenagers, and the fear of being imperfect, of messing up, is terrifying for them. And Jesus is like, nope, nope. You are my child. You belong to me no matter what. The worst part of me, and as far as relationships go, come from a fear of losing control. Right? I think of many times when I've tried to control something in my child's life instead of acting with humility and joy in the gifts that God have, has given them that might be different and gloriously wonderful, gloriously wonderfully different than what I wanted to control or expect. And the list can go on for me. And the list can go on for you as well, I'm sure. There are legions of fears that lead us in the wrong direction. On the other side of that, I think we've been filled, or I think we've been sold a bill of goods, or a, really a bill of bads, in a sense. We have the sense that the greatest goal in life is happiness. I've even heard people say, you know, God wants us to be happy. God loves us and wants us to be happy. Well, I don't think God doesn't, doesn't want us to be happy, right? I'm not against happiness. But I have to tell you, when I, when I sit, like these women were sitting at the grave, when I sit with someone whose husband is dying of cancer and she's dealing with all of the ugliness of that, I don't look at her and say, don't worry, be happy. That's a cruel thing to do. But I can say to her, I wish you a deep sense of joy in the midst of your suffering, of hope, of the promise that Christ gives and plants firmly in these women today and in all of us in all the ups and downs of our lives, God gives a foundation today. God gives a promise and a purpose to us. So that as we enter into whatever situation it might be, we come with a sense of joy. It's beautiful that as Jesus ends this, he also reiterates something else that the angel says. He says, I'm going ahead of you into Galilee. So that joy is not something that I have to kind of muster up or I have to work towards or have to, you know, gear myself up for. I know that joy is already there. And I can fill in the blank for any situation. Um, you know, kind of instead of Galilee, because I've never been there and I'm probably not going to go there anytime soon. But whatever situation I find myself in or you find yourself in, we know that Christ has gone before us. We talk about that with our young people a lot before we go on our youth trips that realize you're not bringing Jesus there. He's already there preparing a place for you, a place of joy where your gifts can, can be lived out, where you can serve in humility, where you can receive with joy the gifts of others and serve in love and kindness. That's the gift of Jesus' resurrection this day. And I pray for you that he may exercise your fears surgically remove them from you so that you may serve and live and love with a great sense of joy because you know 
that he is here now. And he goes before you into all the Galilees of your life and our life together. Christ is risen. He is.